Shalom Aleichem and Shavua Tov to all of you listeners of this great station, uh, station of Divrei Musar, Divrei Torerut, Divrei Torah, Divrei Halakha, and of course, religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. And I'm going to be speaking about Parashat Teruma. In Parashat Teruma, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu the instructions on how to build the Mishkan. And we're talking about the instructions, the specifications. Later on, by Kudai, the Torah tells us about the actual building of it. And there are many, of course, many, many kelim, many utensils that they had. And each one had some kind of symbolism attached to it. Let me say a few words about the Arona Kodesh. The Arona Kodesh, which is the holy ark, which was in the Kodesh HaKodashim part of the Mishkan, meaning the Holy of Holies, had three parts to it. that had the actual Arona Kodesh itself, and it had two rings on either side of it with poles going in in order to support it and carry it when necessary. And it had the the cover, the kaporet, which on top of that was two kerubim. Kerubim were uh, kind of statues that had child faces on them. Now, the, the ark itself is symbolic of the Torah, the Torah itself. I mean, it had the tablets in it. The rods, the poles, are symbolic of the supporters of the Torah. And the Torah says that those poles, <clears throat> they should never, never be taken out of it. It should always be there at all times. So with supporters of the Torah, the supporters must be there at all times in order to perpetuate Torah study at all times. Finally, the Kerubim. Now, what is the significance of the Kerubim? The Kerubim, you know, the two statues in the Holy of Holies uh, must have uh, some kind of significance to it. Uh, there are many, a number of reasons to that. But the Kerubim, actually, we could say that they represent the actual scholar, meaning the Talmud Hakam himself. And the reason why it has a childlike face is because children or innocent, when they go to study, when they're five, six years old, you could see that, that, that fire in their eyes. You could see the uh, exuberance, the excitement of going there to learn something new. I know when I was a child, I was three years old, my brother, my older brother, was studying the Aleph Bet. And at all, you know, every day I was saying to myself, oh, when will I be able to also go and, and, and study the Aleph Bet? And finally when I did, it was a tremendous excitement 
The scholar has to have that kind of excitement if he wants to be successful. We tend, unfortunately, with time, that our eagerness to study Torah starts to fade a bit. No good. We have to maintain that, 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 that child excitement at all times, especially if a person wants to be a real Talmud Hakam. I have seen Hakam Abadi Yosef Shalom when he was studying. Unbelievable. The concentration that he had, the, 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 the pleasure, the joy, it was his life. He breathed Torah. His neshama was only for the Torah. This is what we call the excitement that will make a person to become a Talmud Hakam. You know, I heard once uh, a, a little uh, a little story about, uh, uh, this was in Europe, you know, uh, 150 years ago or so, and there was a Hasidic rabbi that gave uh, assignment to several children to study the Mishnah by heart. And then once a week they would come and they would recite the Mishnah in front of the rabbi, of the rabbi. And each one, as they would recite it, he would give them, well, some kind of a coin. A coin that was significant enough, perhaps, to give to their parents, uh, buy a loaf of bread with it, perhaps. And this was going on for a while. Then one day, the non-religious Jews, they wanted to trick the rabbi. They wanted to trick him. They took a goy, a Gentile, and they taught him a few Mishnayot by heart, and they wanted to bring the goy together with his Jewish children and see whether the Rebbe will recognize that or not, whether he's going to give him the coin or not. So the day came, here's a Gentile boy, uh, mixed with the other children. Of course, the Jewish children recognized somebody there that was not theirs, but they didn't say anything. And each one goes, and someone in the middle of the, over there, the Gentile boy comes to the Rebbe, and sure enough, he recites everything beautifully. He recites all the Mishnayot. Then when he finished, Rabbi said to him, tell your father that there are better ways to earn a coin. He knew right away it was not Jewish. Everyone was astounded. What was going on? How did he find out? The next day they came to him and asked him, Rebbe, how do you know? It's very simple. When you look at the Jewish child reciting the Mishnah, you could see the fire in his eyes. You could see the exuberance, the excitement. You could see the ni'anu'im. You know, the movements that he was doing, the shackling. He said, that was lacking with a, with a gentle, gentile child. By the way, you could tell. Torah Butai, 
the excitement has to stay with us at all times. That's why the Kerubim had a child, the face of a, of, a, of a child, to teach us. When to be scholars and learn, we should have always that excitement when learning. But there's another pshat. Another pshat is a midrash that says that when Hashem wanted to give the Torah to the Bnei Israel, he asked them, I want, I want a guarantee, I want some guarantor. So they answered, we have Abu Doshim, Abraham, Isav, Yaakov. Hashem said, oh yeah, they, 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 they're great, but they're gone. I need something for the future. Then they said, our children will be our guarantors. Oh, that's great. Why? Because now we have what we call a masoret. If the children are the guarantors, meaning that we are going to be to, to be teaching them the Torah from now on. That's the future. The children are they are the future. And without having that kind of masoret transmittal, transmitting the Torah from father to son and from rabbi to student, the Torah Shalom could not be perpetuated. Hashem accepted that. And then they put the Kerubim as uh, the face of the child. This is to guarantee the future of the Torah. To guarantee the perpetuation of the study of Torah. Now, as long as we're talking about the perpetuation of the Torah, I'd like to mention something very interesting, which is in a passage in the Gemara Baba Metzi'ah on page 85. And here in the Gemara, it says that there were two Hachamim that had some kind of argument. They were discussing, you know, a long discussion here. It was Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Hiyah. So Rabbi Hanina said to Rabbi Hiyah, he said to him, you know what? The Torah will be forgotten from Israel. I could be able to bring it back to the people. He has the koah to bring it back to teach everyone. So Rabbi Hiya said to Rabbi Hanina, he said, wait a minute. He says, me... I can make it so that the Torah shall never be forgotten in the first place. You're telling me if it's forgotten, you'll be able to restore it. I'm telling you, I can do something where it will never be forgotten. It will never be forgotten at all. How? And this is what the Gemara says. He says, first of all, he says, what I'll do is the following. I would go and get... Uh, flax seeds I would plant the seeds myself and then when the flax comes up I would take that and I will make nets from it reshet, reshetot, nets with these nets I will trap animals, kosher animals of course I would shech them properly the flesh I would give to the to the aniim, to the poor people 
and the skins he would use as parchment. And then he would write the Torah himself, Hamisha Chomshet Torah himself. And he would give one Chumash to, five, to each one of five children. He will teach one Chumash Bereshit to one child, Shemot to another one, and so on. And then he would tell them, you that learned Shemot, teach the others. You learned uh, Bereshit, you teach the others. He said, with this, the Torah will not be forgotten from Israel. Well, uh, all the Mephashim say, what's going on here? How come? What, why, why, why is that the fact that he's doing all this himself? The Torah, lo nishtakam Israel. Rabotai, what's happening here is that Rabbi Chia is telling us that from the very, very beginning until the, until the end, the entire process was done with purity and holiness. And when that happens, then it stays forever. It does not, it does not become forgotten. It's what it is. Now, let, let, let's understand something. Let's understand who, 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 who was Rabbi Hiyah. Rabbi Hiyah, the Gemara says that he was a, 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 a hacham that can actually bring the Mashiach. Yeah, it says, the Gemara says in Baba Mitzian, in, in the same page, he says that uh, uh, he... There is, is, is the, the, the Gemara asks, is there a, uh, some kind of, of a sample of people that can bring the Mashiach? I says, yeah. Who? Rabbi Chiyah Banam. Rabbi Chiyah and his children. And then he says that Rabbi, he made a decree for a Ta'anit. And he brought Rabbi Chiyah and his children uh, in order to pray so it could be uh, the rain. When he said, Mashivarwach, Nashbazika, all of a sudden, it was uh, the Ruach came. Murida Geshem, Atamitra, and the rain came down. Then he was about to say, Mehayeha Metim, which means that it would actually uh, uh, resuscitate uh, the, uh, the dead. Ragash Alma, the world was trembling there. And Akadosh Baruch Hu said, Who taught this secret? In, in, this, in this world here. And they said, oh, Eliyahu and Avi told them. But Akopanim, what happened, that Hashem sent an angel, he confused him a little bit so he could not go on with it. But that was Rabbi Hiyah, great man. Let's understand something, first of all. As a byproduct to this Midrash, the passage in the, in the Gemara, we learn a great lesson from this Tanaim. You see, the discussion was about what they can do for Klal Israel. Yes, a scholar who learns for himself and stays isolated from the people, although he has great zechut for his extensive learning, okay, but it is not the same, it's not at the same level. As the, per, as the scholar who's involved with Klal Israel and helps developing the level of Torah study, the level of 
spirituality of Klai Yisrael. Not the same. Look at what Rabbi Chia did. He was involved with the people. Now, the Gemara does not specify how long it took Rabbi Chia to accomplish his work. Well, if you want to guess, it's going to be a number of years. <laughs> hey, just to write a Sefer Torah itself takes quite a bit. And then he had to learn how to make the nets. He had to, to plant the seeds first and the nets. They had to trap the animals. Shechting, and he had, to take, he had to take the skins. He had to, to, to learn how to work with the skins, how to tend them and, and, and make them parchment. And so on. And he had to teach the, the children. And so this could take years. We see how people, how our Tanaim, how they were involved with their heart and soul for the benefit of the perpetuation of Torah in Israel. But in this case, what Rabbi Chia is telling us, if everything is done, of Tahara, then, then the Torah will not be forgotten. Where did Rabbi Chia learn this from? Where did he learn from? He learned it from the parasha that we learned that we read yesterday. Parasha Teruma. How? It says in the parasha the following: Ve'asita et akerashim lamishkan, asay shitim omedim. This means that. Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, thou shalt make the kerashim, that's the beams which make up the walls. So you shall, you shall make the beams, ha-kerashim, the beams. For the Mishkan, it would be from acacia wood and standing. Now everywhere, when, in, when Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to manufacture something, he says, Ve'asita menorah, not ha-menorah. Ve'asita mizbeah, not ha-mizbeah. Ve'asu aron, not ha-aron. Only here, ha-kerashi. But first, let's figure out what is ase-shitim omdim means. Omidim. Well, there's a number of uh, uh, explanations, but the, I mean, the plain meaning is that the beams were supposed to be standing up rather than laying down. I mean, you can build like a, uh, in America, there used to be these log houses where they take the logs and they lay them down one on top of the other rather than standing them up. But Hashem wants that the kerashim, the beam, should be standing up. But there's another pshat, another pshat in the Gemara that says, Omidim le'olme'ad, that those beams will be there forever and ever. Forever. What does that mean? Even though perhaps other things might be uh, destroyed, but these will never disappear. They'll never go for, for good. They'll only, they will not be destroyed for good. What happened to them? Well, they've been hidden somehow. And when the third Bita Mikdash Hashem will be constructed, they will pop up again and they'll be used again. So, but what does that mean? So we we know we see now that those beams are there forever. What is the sod, the secret of those beams? Well, this we learn from Rashi. 
Rashi in, parasha, in, in this parasha here says, Ve'asita et ha-kerashi. Vav beams. So Rashi says, Hayalo lomar ve'asita kerashim. To make kerashim beams, not the beams. So what does that mean? Ha-kerashim, he says? Me'otan ha-omdim u'miuhadim lekach. From those beams that were staying and, and uniquely specified for this purpose. What happened? Yaakov Avinu tzipa beruach ha-kodesh. Yaakov Avinu, he saw, he anticipated with ruach ha-kodesh and he planted the akisha wood, arazim, in Egypt. He planted them and they grew into beams. And when he passed away, he gave an order to to the children and the grandchildren to take them with them to to uh, to the to the desert so that they will be building the mishkan there because he knew that in the, in the, in, the, in the desert there's no wood in it certainly not this kind of she team not going to find that in the desert so he planted them specifically and told them when you go when you when you are redeemed and you go to the desert, you build a mishkan, this is what you use. Interesting. So in other words, who actually planted and transported these things? Yaakov Avinu planted it, and the Bnei Israel transported them. And with, 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 with eagerness and joy, but that's not that's not the end of it. See, Yaakov Avinu went beyond that. Yaakov Avinu could have actually bought some saplings of acacia wood and planting it in Mitzrayim. But that's not what he did. He went beyond that. Before he came down to Mitzrayim, when he already found out that Yosef Sadiq was still alive, a son that he hasn't seen for 22 years, and he was so much, e- he had so, so eager to go and, 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 and meet his son. Yet, he found time to go to Be'er Sheva, as it says in the Pasuk. Israel, meaning Yaakov Avinu, he went with everybody. First, they went to Be'er Sheva. Why did he go to Be'er Sheva? And the Midrash says, you know why he went to Be'er Sheva? In order to uproot the beams, the Kerashim, that Avraham Avinu, his grandfather, had planted. He wanted those saplings. And he took them with him to, to Egypt and replanted them there. And for, and, and the Bnei Israel brought them back to there to build the Mishkan. Look, look at the, 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 the history of, this, of these beams. They were planted Bigdusha of Tahara Avraham Avinu. And Yaakov Avinu, our patriarch Behir, Behir Avot, he took them and replanted them. And the Bnei Israel themselves took him back to, 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 took him to, the, to the desert. And what happened? The Kerashim stayed forever. 
for eternity. Which means that when you do something, Bikdusha of Tahara, it stays. It doesn't get forgotten. And this is where Abihya learned the lesson. When something is done, Bikdusha of Tahara, it stays. This is why he went ahead and he did all the work planting the seeds, the flag seeds himself, making the nets, trapping the animals, shechting them, making the skins, writing the Sefer Torah and teaching all this because he said, we learn from Yaakov Avinu that when you do something, it does not get forgotten. It stays. People, people will keep it forever. Tirabutai, I know Rab Chaim of Volozhin said the following. Interesting. He says, whoever learns in Sefarim, like learn Gemara, right? Chumash with Rashi and so on. If you study in, in, in Sefarim, in books that were printed uh, by Gentiles or non-religious Jews, he says, he will not succeed in his studies. He will not be Matzliach. You hear that? He will not be Matzliach. If you learn from books that have been printed by, by, by uh, Gentiles, not only uh, fry people, you're not going to be Matzliach. They have to be printed by Yerei Shemaim. It was not, they were not printed with Kedushah. Somehow, it has some influence on the person himself. Well, nowadays, we are very makpid when uh, we buy a Sefer Torah. We're very particular to have a Sofer, those Yerei Shamayim, and so on, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you see, here, from here, we see that not only the Sefer Torah, but even the Chumashim, the, 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 the Gemarot that we have, the Sidurim that we have, uh, all these, when we buy them, we should make sure that being printed by people who are Shomre Torah, and Shomrei Mitzvot. When we buy the Gemarot of the Art Scroll, we know that these people have been working only uh, with, with Kedushah and Tahara. Only religious people uh, uh, have been uh, very Shemaim are there to do the printing itself. Well, even 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 you know even by us, I mean uh, at SLC we have a lot of Mahzurim. We print a lot of sidurim. Uh, we print many different things, but we could print them here in, in, in some gentile uh, uh, printing uh, printing house. But we don't do that. We go to Eretz Israel. We go to places where we know the people who are working there are Shomre Shabbat and Shomre Misvot, Shomre Torah. That's where we print them because that's the way to do it. And we have to be very careful and very makbit on that. Abutai, just want to remind you again that the, this beautiful station here, uh, please, now is Purim time. We are always very generous at Purim. See to it that you do give some help uh, to, uh, to this uh, beautiful organization, a great broadcasting station. Also, if you have any simhadat, you plan to do, come and look us up. We have a beautiful uh, Ulam Smahot. 
social hall. I'm sure we can accommodate you. Purim Sameach and Shavuot Tov.